Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'm Steve Sarley, my partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, especially St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Iowa. We've got your bass covered. They certainly do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It is available everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is produced by our good friend Brad Nearman from Berserk Productions. He is down in Lando Lakes, Florida. Hey there, Brad. How you doing? On today's show, We Fish ASA is pleased to host our good friend Dan Johnston from St. Croix. We're going to also visit with Dave Van Dorn from Take a Vet Fishing. And I'm going to have a chance to spend a couple of segments talking to Clark Wetland, three-time Angler of the Year winner in FLW. This guy is good and we're going to talk about some really cool stuff today, Clark Wetland. But first, let's hand it off to Dave Kranz. He's going to bring on Dan Johnston. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is always brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And most of the time, they bring us Dan Johnston. Welcome back, Dan. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, glad glad that you're here. I the subject we're going to talk about for this segment, I, I know we both love to do this. Uh, I think you've even gotten in some tournaments that were frog alone where you had to do it, but it's frogging time in the uh, Midwest and upper Midwest. You've got weed cover, you've got shade, you've got wood, you've got a lot of things, and big bass go into these areas, don't they? Yeah, and they're real shallow. We, you know, Dave, we've talked about healthy water before, and I think it's important to find that. But if we find healthy water that has bait, it's well oxygenated, and they can see it at all, they'll get super, super shallow. And the thing about a frog is you can just literally throw it anywhere, not hang it. But also, there's so many different types of them. But I think we should probably start with just at a very high level um raw reel and line from a very high level you want something definitely longer than seven foot so i like seven four to seven ten and uh you want to fish braid exclusively um minimum 30 pounds small frog open water but most of us are throwing 50 and in the reel you want a relatively high speed retrieve because sometimes you're trying to buzz it back on an unproductive water to get it out again kind of like flipping but once we establish that we can really take this wherever you want to take it yeah, and I, and I think the, uh, the the rod length and the uh, pound test and the braid, because I think you've said before, you know, you win or lose this battle in the first uh, several seconds, and, and you do, uh, <laughs> we say that, but that doesn't mean as soon as you see the hit, set the hook, does it? No, you don't want to do that. They got to get it. Sometimes they get it and what else is in the way. So that's all the more reason to let things kind of settle in now we don't i do not believe in that count to three deal i i've read that before and that's not for me at all i'm swinging on them way quicker than that but i want to make sure they've got it but the big thing about braid is it doesn't stretch so you get the hook in especially from a distance and also it cuts vegetation 
And I, for all the listeners out there, just don't do it on mono. Obviously, fluorocarbon sinks, but which is even worse. But monofilament has got too much stretch, and it'll go wrap around the weeds, and you're going to lose them. I don't care what size mono you use. And whether you're open water frog fishing or certainly throwing it back in slop, just go with the braid for all the reasons we mentioned. Yes, and, and I don't wait. To, I don't have a specific count either, but I wait till I can feel them. And, and then, you know lay back on them and, and set the hook good and get them up to the top the way you need to. Um, there's so many different types of cover for frogging. I mean, there's pads, there's weeds, there's, uh, there's uh, even, you know, in, in the fall, like floating leaves. There's, there's so many different things, and, and none of them are wrong, are they? They're not, and that's when it becomes critical to understand the type of the frog. I mean, I'm throwing a popping frog more than out I ever have. Uh, there's a bunch of companies that make a good one. Terminator actually makes a good one. Uh, there's a bunch of them on the market, but Spro makes a great one. Um, but these are the types of things that when you, you can throw them back in whatever you want to throw them into, but when you hit little holes, you can actually fish it like a popper, which is absolutely lethal. Plus they skip. They're incredible under overhanging trees in the summer and little mats and pads of stuff that I, I prefer it over a regular frog. And then we also, understand the weights of them because sometimes when the mats are real heavy we actually put uh solder and things we zip them open and put solder on the hooks to make them heavier because obviously it dents the uh the cover more but also when they come up to get it they got something to get and they, they're less likely to aerialize it and blow it out if it doesn't weigh in anything and then there's others that walk i mean the, the standard spro frog with the pointed nose if you learn how to fish it right you can walk that thing like a real tight walking zara spook and it's lethal so it's not something always that you just want to throw out and reel it and with slight rod cadence a lot of times you're actually imparting action on that thing when it gets into open water and you watch somebody really good with one it's incredible uh how they do that and get a lot of bites when other people are just reeling it in or just popping the nose down um it's not as effective all the time as if you learn how to impart baits or throw a frog. There's buzz frogs, there's popping frogs, walking frogs, all different sizes can be critical. So play around with that stuff because it's not one size fits all. No, not at all. And I and that's good to bring that up because the buzz frog and the popping frog, uh, it doesn't have to be a mat. It can have wood, it can have pads, it can have weeds, it can have open water, you know. So you, you pick the right tool, basically, to work the, the water that you're fishing. Yeah, unfortunately, they're real multi-purpose. I mean, I don't throw a popping frog on wood with little mats and weeds or a docks with the same thing, which is perfect for it, and then cut it off if I come to a big mat. I'll throw it right back in there. You can work a popping frog right through anything, and the fish doesn't know the difference between that and something else. It gets through it way better than you realize, so um, it, it just works real well. But I think the important thing to understand is they'll, they'll bite it way shallower than you think they would in the summertime and it's not necessarily a low light deal and the hook set just be cognizant of where you're throwing it if you're throwing it back in a real heavy mat and they blow up on it they're not getting just the frog they're getting everything and then if it's more open water i'm swinging on them dave almost right away like i do on a top water i don't wait hardly at all if i'm on an edge and one gets a clean shot at it i'm not going to let him take it down i'm going to swing on him pretty quick much quicker than i would if i was throwing it in heavy cover 
Absolutely. One, one of my favorite times to, to use a, a frog on, on a mat or, or pads is when I'm hearing, even if it's just bluegills popping dragonflies, and uh, we've all done it, and, and anybody who has is smiling right now, but the bluegills will come up and hit the dragonflies. And, and so with that many bugs hitting the surface and other fish popping, I, I think that, that gets them all interested in looking for that type of uh, presentation. Yeah, it does, and you'll you'll hear you actually hear it. It's audible. Yeah. You can hear the little pop sucking sounds. But one thing, when I'm in that scenario, and this is really important, this was actually taught to me when I was in my twenties, is always, 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 always have a rod rigged up that you can flip into a hole if they blow you up. Because a lot of times with a frog, not always, but a lot of times it's a one and done deal. At least where I fish, they'll blow it up, and you got the hole size of a volleyball or smaller down to a softball and then you pick up your little baby brush hog that's spiked chartreuse like a bluegill and flip that thing in their peg on a little you know uh tungsten weight and more times than not they'll smoke it because usually in that real heavy cover uh they don't blow it up and then run out of there like they would on a wide open point where they don't have any place to hide they're there They've just smoked it once, and you throw it in there again, they're like, fool me once. Next time I'm going to watch it go over me. I've seen so many people go, man, I can't believe it, and they drive on. Or I've seen a lot of people flip in there. I do it myself. I always, it's either a tube or a brush hog's my favorite, because brush hog, you can hide the point of that hook, and it just gets down really well, but it looks real creature-like. It doesn't fall super fast, and they'll bite that thing. I don't want to put a percentage on it, but it's a high percentage, and it's the same fish that blew up on you. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, they didn't uh, they didn't move too far away. They uh, uh, they went right back down there where they were sitting in their ambush point and their nice cooler temperature. I mean, uh, that's one of the reasons we didn't talk about that. But one of the reasons they get under the, the slop is how much cooler it can be uh, because that kind of insulates them. Yeah, I'd say just as much as that is light penetration. I mean, that's one of the biggest things for me. I don't find always a big difference in water temperature as much as i do light penetration and you get in the middle of the day and under those mats in two foot of water because they're just they, they, they it's like in their living room i mean they're just birds can't get out of predator birds they're they're out of the light uh, but there's bait swimming around under there uh it, it's amazing but another thing about frog fishing it's helpful is really try to understand what's under the mat because if it's all choked out solid it could look what i'm trying to say mississippi river is a classic example of this you can go up there and you can look for miles and see stuff where you think they'll bite at every cast and they absolutely don't because the best ones are the ones that are a little clean underneath it that have the right kind of water so you're punching through that first level with that what that thing um or you're throwing a frog over at first to try to find them and they're not everywhere so frog fishing's great, but it's really great when you're throwing it to where they are. Absolutely. And on the river, I'm going to add something there. Some of the best places that I found were areas that actually had a little bit of current moving water underneath them. Well, there's no doubt. And, and you find that and hard bottom and a little clarity, then it's one plus one plus one equals three. And that and that's not everywhere. And that's, that's the fun of it. But just make sure you're geared right uh, and just trust it and fish it and throw it. And it's a... It's arguably about as, about as fun way to fish as you possibly can, but don't be afraid to throw the thing around. You know, you can pull up on a tree, for example, in the water, and it can have that little ring of slop around the trunk of it, and you can throw a frog to that, and they'll blow it up. 
Uh, and sometimes you can fish the edge of it and they won't because that ring might come out two feet and they're under that shade. Um, it's just amazing how effective it is. It's not just this big football field lily pad deal. You got to throw it in. You can throw it almost anywhere. Yeah, especially on docks or by uh, down trees or whatever. You get a, a two foot by two foot patch. Don't don't just say, ah, oh, you know, I'm not going to make a cast there because it could be the best thing you do that day. Yeah, again, it's all about letting the fish tell you what to do. But the, the frog is something this time of year where no matter where I'm fishing, period, I have it hooked up. Then it comes down to color and size. And I'm obviously more uh, uh, focused on what the bottom of that frog looks like. But believe it or not, I throw white a lot uh, in all scenarios. Um, and then I'll also throw darker colors, too. Um, throw a lot of... Uh, yellows and greens and things like that but i don't really fall in love with the top of the frog i think that's a lot of pomp and circumstance but mm -hmm. the bottom of that's really important i totally agree and we always appreciate your advice dan and look forward to the next time we get to have you on thanks for having me dave appreciate oh no it. problem that was dan johnson i am dave cran steve sarley is remote and this segment was brought to you by st croix the best rods on earth the we fish asa podcast will be right back Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is sunline. And my favorite lines to use is sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, ready. sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran, Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest has been on before. He certainly has a passion for the outdoors. I'd like to welcome back Dave Van Dorn. Hey, Dave. How are you? Thank I, you for having me on. Oh, no problem. Uh, and for those of you that haven't heard uh, Dave talk before, he is involved with TakeAVetFishing.org and Operation HealingHeroes.org. And what a, what a great uh, thing to uh, put your time into. And, and, and uh, definitely uh, thank you for doing that. And uh, I'm sure all the people that you have helped in, in a boat or at speaking engagements, thank you also. Well, Dave, thank you. It's, the pleasure's been mine, to be honest with you. Uh, it's really 
uh, incredible to be able to uh, work with people like you and to be able to, you know, rub elbows with uh, veterans and and uh, all sorts of people from all walks of life. That's that's a blessing. It, it is, and it, it's good work that you do. And and you know what? We're gonna we're gonna get this right off the plate immediately because you have a fundraiser coming up here uh, September sixth in Bartlett, Illinois. And I'm sure there's still spots available, or if people wanted to donate for that uh, one way or another, it's early enough in the game that uh, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, I appreciate that. Yes, we have a, uh, a golf outing coming up on. Uh, September 6th, it's at Bartlett Hills Country Club in Bartlett, Illinois. Um, and basically the way it's set up is uh, we've we've got room for 18 foursomes and uh, we have whole sponsors for each hole. We are we're selling whole uh, sponsorships at $500 and uh, we have, uh, we will take all comers. Uh, costs and uh and i'm not i'm preaching to the choir i get it dave uh but with fuel costs and the costs of uh accommodations and food going up it's it's uh it's wreaked havoc with everybody's budgets and ours included uh like i said we have whole sponsors uh i do have uh one event sponsor left we 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 have an event sponsorship that's available for $5,000 and that will get your company logo on the truck and the boats and, uh, on our apparel for a year. And, uh, obviously it's going to, uh, all this is going to, uh, uh, you know, put on events, uh, and, uh, help vets. We've been, giving a lot of uh, veterans the options to get treatment where take a vet fishing is paying for that treatment. Uh, we pay to fly them in, pay to get the treatment, and we'll pay to fly you home. Uh, over the year, uh, I believe we've uh, helped out over 52 or 53 veterans this year, and uh, it's it's not cheap, obviously, and uh, but it is it is a way for uh, Tegavet to expand its its reach a little bit and to, to help some of these veterans out directly. Yeah, absolutely. And and whether they can uh, participate in the uh, event on September sixth in Bartlett or not, uh, they can certainly go to takeavetfishing.org or operationhealingheroes.org and look for other ways and opportunities that they could contribute now or in the future or, you know, when, when they can because it's a great organization and uh, um, glad, glad to be able to get that out there. So hopefully you can get some participation there and some sponsorship. What, what else is going on? It's a busy month. We're in August here. And uh, what's, what's the next event? I know you're putting a lot of miles on that take of that uh, truck and boat. Uh, yeah, yes, we are. Uh, our next event is in, uh, Mille Lacs, Minnesota at McCoy's, uh, and that's on the 13th and 14th. And we, we, we still have room for veterans. Uh, and the way we set it up this year, Dave, in order to get more vets at this event, uh, we used to do a, a two day event where we'd get a group of veterans come in on Friday 
they would go on out on launch boats Saturday. Uh, obviously, we feed everybody, have a ceremony for them. And then Sunday, we would do our regular on the uh, day giving back event, which is, uh, you know, guides and folks with boats uh, locally would take these veterans uh, out. They'd get an opportunity to, you know, say thank you and, and let these men and women know that uh, there are a lot of people out here that uh, love and respect what they what they did for our country and uh, wanted to say thanks. But this year, we're doing it a little different. You can sign up for Saturday, where we'll put you up on Friday night, take you out on launch boats, and, uh, uh, you know, feed you, and, and you'll have a great time. And then we'll get a whole new group of veterans in on Saturday night and do our regular day giving back event. Uh, we've... You know, what it ends up doing is if, if we have 80 veterans for the weekend on a, you know, uh, Friday, Saturday, now we'll have 160. Uh, it's, it's just trying to get more, uh, more, more vets out on the water, basically what it, it's, we're trying to do here. So, and that's August 13th and 14th. And again, you can go to www.takeavetfishing.org and, uh, you know, register right online, and you'll be good to go. Excellent, excellent. What about the rest of the season? Are there any other events after the uh, Malax? Yep. Uh, we go from there, uh, Minnetonka, on September 17th. Uh, and uh, that's uh, obviously just west of the cities up in Minnesota. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um Again, that has been uh, uh, an event we've had. Uh, we're going on 11 years now as an organization, and uh, that's been a stalwart uh, event for us. And uh, it's uh, I expect it'll be the same as one of our bigger events. We'll have quite a turnout for that. Uh, and then on October 8th, we're in Eagle River, Wisconsin, uh, and we'll be... Uh, taking uh, probably, I'm going to guess somewhere around 70 vets, uh, 60, 70 vets, get them out on the water up there. Uh, it uh, It's a Saturday, and uh, I would love to see uh, some folks come out to that as well. This That's the second year now we'll, we'll be up in Eagle River. It's, last year was phenomenal, so looking forward to that. Yeah, that's a great time of year to be up there. The fall, the leaves will be turning, and the weather will be getting cooler, and hopefully the mosquitoes will be gone. And uh, and the fun, the fishing is normally good up in that area that time of year. And uh, it's it's hard to believe we're talking about events here that are the middle of August, September, and October because it, this year has been quite the blur, and I'm sure it has been for you also. It's just gone by so fast, and uh, so many events, and and so many things going on, and. Uh, you know, uh, for those that that can't participate this year, uh, you do most of these events yearly. You said the organization's been uh, around for eleven years. Uh, how early would you recommend signing up, even for next year? Can they do that at this time? Well, uh, here's how this typically works, and this is 
uh, we'll have next year's schedule. Obviously, dates change a little bit. Mm -hmm. Usually around the the first of the year at the latest, the second week. Um, Now, this year, we added two events in Florida uh, as well uh, uh, during uh, February and March. And those were heavily attended uh, uh, and, and, and quite a, a, a spectacular thing. Um, it was uh, very enjoyable. Everybody down there, you know, pretty much raved about how, how well it uh, was received. Um, we will be doing those again. Uh, I would, yes, I would definitely check, check the websites right after the first of the year for new dates uh, and then uh, what we're trying to do is get as many as new veterans as we can. So, uh, you know, if, if you're interested and you've never done a take a fishing uh, event before, get on the website and register up. Uh, we'd love we'd love to have you. No, I, I, it's a great organization. You do good things, and I I've seen the smiles on the faces of the people that. Um, you're taking out and they get to uh, do something that's uh, relaxing. And, and some of these guys, I have a feeling that if there's not an event like this, they don't get out. So it's a good opportunity for them to get out. Um, we, we take it for granted that we can go whenever we're off or have the time. And um, and some of these guys, they need the assistance and don't have a boat or don't have the equipment. And you can get them out there and um, all the more reason for people to um donate time or dollars or both to, to get involved with both take it vetfishing.org or operation healing heroes.org and um, again uh, the great work that you guys do there is is uh, is awesome and, and you give people an opportunity and uh, I'm gonna be uh, we try to get a quarterly update from you guys and I'll be calling one of you from there uh, in the future but uh, definitely uh, thank you for being on again Dave well, like I, I said I, earlier, I, I I really do appreciate uh, uh, the time that you give us, Dave. Uh, it it gets us a chance to get the word out. You know, we are a five hundred one c three. We're a non for profit, and uh, you know, typically you and I don't discuss fundraising. Uh, I appreciate uh, that opportunity because, like as you know. Uh, you know, it, it, we need uh, we need everybody's help, uh, and uh, and we we we've appreciated everybody's help in the past, and uh, we want to keep this train rolling, and and we can't do it without your help. So I, I appreciate it uh, beyond words. No, I, well, we thank you, Dave, and uh, we'll be uh, talking to somebody here in the near future, and and hopefully these next events go well. Uh, you have an awesome day, and uh, thanks for your time. I appreciate it, Dave. Oh, no problem. That was Dave Van Dorn. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel. For those with a passion for the outdoors, we will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. 
Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley. My partner, Dave Krantz, is remote. Please remember that We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. You know, if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. Our guest is one of the most consistent pro fishermen in the business. Uh, he is a multiple Angler of the Year winner, and you all know what I think about Angler of the Year being such an important demonstration of somebody's talents. Well, this guy demonstrates it every time he puts the boat in the water. He is from Texas, and he is Clark Wetland. Hey, Clark, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, always a pleasure. Where in Texas are you from? Kind of central Texas near Austin. Um, not not too awful far from uh, Lake Travis is my home lake. Okay, how big is Lake Travis? Lake Travis is, it's a long lake. It's probably, eh, it might be 20 or 30,000 acres. Um, but yeah, not a real big, big lake, but uh, mainly a kind of a recreational lake, but the fishing's been getting better. Well, you know, uh, that, that sounds pretty pretty big to me. And uh, unfortunately, it's, it's, from what you're saying, it's big enough to hold tournaments on. I, I think maybe nobody wants to put a tournament on what would be Clark Wentland's home lake. Well, I've, we've actually had, over the years, two big tournaments on it, and I did good in both of them. So, uh, That's why they're not. As far as. I, I, I love fishing there, so I'd love them to bring a tournament there. Yeah, see, so that's that's why they're that's why they're not coming back. You you proved you've done well, so you are you are not a believer in that uh, home water jinx that everybody talks about. You know, I, I think a home water jinx is is a legit thing. I, you know, a lot of it's pressure. You put too much pressure on yourself, and and a little bit of it's just fishing. You know, kind of memories where where you've caught them before. And it's hard not to do that. When you've spent a lot of time on a body of water, it's hard not to go back to the places you've caught them before. Uh, but the best way to do it truly is, is just use your knowledge of the lake, go out, practice, let the conditions tell you what to do, and then, and then fish the tournament. Excellent. 
Uh, have you had situations where uh, you're assigned to fish a lake and whatever the circuit is you're fishing and, and it's the first time you've ever been on that lake, uh, the first time you've fished the lake is when you pre-fish. Has that ever happened? Yeah, it's happened quite a few times, actually, because a lot of times we just don't have time to go uh, to go practice and spend time on a, on a body of water. But, you know, I love those places. A lot of times you just, you, you, you go at it with such a fresh mind. Um, and, and honestly, it's my favorite tournament to fish in any given year is when I've never been there before. Because if I figure anything out, I can just run that. And a lot of times it works out really well. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I tie, the, uh, tie the answers to the last two questions together, and I think you get a real good story as to what's going on. Because the thing you talked about, memory, uh, that probably hurts the average fisherman the most. Not, not only professional fishermen, but how many of us go out on the weekend and, and you bang spots for far too long because you caught a good fish there one time. So now you're going there today and you're going to beat it for an hour and a half before you move. Man, that memory cost you a lot of time and didn't produce anything for you. No, you're absolutely right. It's in, in literally, uh, I, I've struggled with that my whole career at every level because it's just a natural thing you do. You, you, you tend to have more confidence in the areas you've caught them at before, but it doesn't necessarily uh, mirror what's going on on the lake. And so if you can just make yourself fish the place different every time, um, you're really better off. Yeah, yeah, for for sure, for sure, and it's uh, uh, it, it's kind of funny. Uh, people get wrapped into their memories, and 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 they just can't let can't let them go. Uh, I, I I was fishing in Canada with uh, Spence Petros. He's a Hall of Fame angler, and uh, uh, he was reeling in a northern pike, a twenty pound northern, and it got attacked by a muskie. Never saw how you know could see how big it was. But, you know, it's a dang big fish hitting a 20-pound northern pike. And then the next day, are we going there? He goes, no. Why aren't we going there? We saw uh, 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 the biggest muskie ever. He goes, because that muskie was just going past that point. The chances of us being there when he's swimming past it is not going to happen again. He is not in that spot on a consistent basis. And I said... I had a real hard time living living up to that. You know, I want to fish that spot. I probably fish that spot every day for the rest of the week. But you know what? That's not the way you do it, and the smart guys know that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I think it, everybody struggles with this, this concept that you're on right now with fishing memories and uh, not being able to expand on new things. And, and it really, it happens the most when you're in competition. If you're in, if you're actually in a tournament, you really don't let yourself just kind of let things happen as they do. Um, and, you know, it, it makes it even that much worse on you. So really, the way to fish each and every day is to deal with the conditions you've got that day and just go fishing. I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but it's really true. I understand what you say, and, and being from Texas, um, I've heard a lot of people over the years say, oh, red is the best color to have in your tackle box when you're fishing in Texas. 
Texas bass love the color red. As a matter of fact, there were people that even were calling lures, uh, uh, particular lures, oh, get that lure in uh, Lake Fork Red. It comes in Lake Fork Red. Well, it, it actually is not the name, but everybody calls it that. And, and I think there's a lot of people out fishing in Texas that had red lures on their line that, that might have done better with, with a watermelon color or something, but you just heard red in Texas so many times you, you, you made yourself believe that. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, red, I mean, actually, I was looking in my live well yesterday and and from a tournament I fished last week and there's a bunch of red uh, crawfish shells in there. I mean, red, red feels a little bit more like a spring color. Yeah. Um, in, anywhere I fish all over the country, I'll use red in the spring a lot. Um, and I think part of it's confidence, but I think red really does have a place. And uh, when you're fishing in the spring, especially, I feel like it's a, almost always a good color. I just wrote that down, red in the spring, because uh, I will definitely go back and uh, and pay attention. You know, you, you, you think with my job talking to you guys as often and getting these tips, I'm like the other, I'm like the regular average weekend fisherman. You, you hear things, it goes in one ear and out the other, and you go back to doing it the way you want to do it. Well, I guarantee you next spring I'll be throwing red, thanks to Clark Wentland. I appreciate that, and, and, and we'll pay attention. Uh, you were you were an interesting interesting guy. You had a good career. You've been at this for a year or two now. How, how, seriously, how long have you been doing this? About 30 years? Well, I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years, so it's it's been a long time. 30 years, and it's uh, uh, so you were established, and and all the while you were doing this, you were known as a consistent guy, uh, not a flash in the pan. You, you're a guy that's a top 10 guy, and at the end of the year, when they're adding up the points for Angler of the Year, Clark Wentland always seemed to be there. You've got a number of AOI trophies, and and that speaks the world to me because. You know, I, I, I hate to say anybody can can win once uh, because I know I could not. But you know, it, it it's a possibility that you could, anybody can win one time. It's much less likely for somebody to perform very very well in five tournaments, six tournaments, seven tournaments, and you do that. You don't have bad tournaments, Clark Wetland. Uh, it, it's it's phenomenal the consistency that you have. Is there a way to work on that, or is that just the way you are? Well, I think a little bit of it is is just kind of the way I am, the way I fish. And um, honestly, the fact that it's happened over such a big time span, you know, over a 30-year career, several of those Angler of the Year titles were early in my career, and now I had one uh, in 2020 um, at, at the Bass Elite, and I think a lot of it really has to do with passion in all honesty. I mean, I just, I just think about fishing all the time. I love fishing and the years that I'm the most, you know, like into it, in other words, like I don't have that much other things going on in my life and, and can really put all of my emphasis on fishing, um, have uh -huh. been my best years. And I think you would find that across the board. I think almost anybody that's really fishing well would say that he, he, like this is like all he's thinking about this is all he's doing um you know and some years you know some years just don't go that well uh but you know for, from a consistent standpoint it's probably something i take some pride in i i feel like i've i've, been, I've had a consistent career and i always i always want to do good i mean that's 
that's like that drives me. I, I really, I, I, I work hard at it, and, and I, in all honesty, I really enjoy it. What about your family, your wife and kids? How do they play into this? Do they, uh, are they able to sit back and watch dad's passion and, and, and maybe not place other demands on you as much and let you, let you fish? Or uh, how does that whole family situation work out with this fishing? Well, you know, family is, is obviously very important and almost for everybody it is. Um, and there have been times, especially early in my career, when I probably did not give them as much attention as I needed to. I'd come off the water and they'd be with me. And I, and I mean, all I could think about is the fact that I didn't do any good in, uh, on that day of fishing. Instead of, hey, I got, uh, I got two kids and a wife that, you know, I need to put some emphasis on too. And, and so, you know, I watch some of the younger guys today and they really do a good job with that. I, I, um, I think that, you know, um, having that emphasis on family and they, they know how much it means to me. They know that when it's a bad day, it's going to be, I'm going to be hurting that day. And so, yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's, it's part of it. And, and it's just like in anything anybody does, you, you, you've got to kind of work at it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Makes, makes, a, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And it, it, it's tough, and I and I know I know the family supports you. I know you're a good Christian, good family man, and respect that. And uh, you you got a nice total package going there. Let me take a real quick break. I'd like to let our sponsors have a word. When we come back, I'd like to talk, talk to Clark Wentland and ask him who his sponsors are that have supported him throughout the years and are keeping him on the water today. Uh, this is We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley. We are here with Clark Wentland, one of the best pro anglers around. He's a Bassmaster Elite Tournament, been doing this for 30 years. Uh, already got some great tips from him. I'm going to get some more right after this. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarling. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Mm -hmm. Bring it back, Clark. 
Wetland. Hey, Clark, glad to have you here. You you were uh, you were uh, kind of the opposite of the way things were going. Uh, Bassmaster ruled the roost for such a long time, and then all of a sudden we've got this major league fishing organization uh, coming in, taking over for uh, uh, what the FLWs had started, and. Clark Wetland is an FLW guy who one of the strongest names in FLW, one of the most popular FLW fishermen, one of the most successful FLW fishermen, and everybody's lining up to join the Major League Fishing, but no, 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 Clark Wetland goes the opposite direction and, and, and starts to join the Bassmaster elites. Why'd you do that? What was that all about, and are you happy you did it? Yeah, you know, the, the way my career is going overall is, is I, you know, I started off fishing bass years ago when I very first started. I uh, started it in 1992, and, and then, um, and I may miss a year here, but around uh, the year 2000, um, there was some things that happened. I got some really good sponsors on the FLW side. And it just ended up that those term, those tournaments started conflicting. And so that's just the way I went. That's where my sponsors were at. Um, and then uh, fast forward about uh, 17, 18 years, um, when everything kind of, you know, fishing just kind of turned on its ear and everything changed, and MLF came along. And I actually had uh, opportunities with all three, MLF, FLW, because MLF didn't own FLW at first. Right, right. And then, and then the Bassmaster. Um then I, I just really felt like getting back to bass uh, where I started and really who created all of this, I felt like it was the best way to go. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really happy that that's the decision I made. Excellent. Because, you know, looking at, looking at what you've done, and, and I, I can't claim to be an expert on this, but I think you could have fished either one of them as well. And, and not taking into account where they fish or their schedules or anything like that, Looking at the big difference being the rules, the uh, uh, catching five big fish in a day or catching a lot of fish in a day, you are capable of competing with either set of rules. So that's not the answer to the question. Am I right? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I like the format of five fish because it's the way I grew up and it, and it seems right to me. You know, there's a way... In my mind, there's a way that this should be done, and that's, to me, the way it should be done. Um, you know, I know they've got an exciting format, and it's it's a lot different, uh, but I I feel like I could have excelled either way. I, I just like the format that I'm with right now the most. Yeah, I think you could have, I think you could have done well with either. The other the other thing, though, is still is with, with the elites. The, the elites is a, uh, is a possible door. To the Bassmaster Classic, and you don't get that on the other circuit, and that's got to be a, a a big deal. As as a fan, I look at that. The Classic is the Super Bowl of fishing, uh, and I think most of the fishermen feel that way. Uh, do you consider that a big bonus? Is that you're out there and you're fishing for a possible slot in the Classic? Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely. I mean, I think even MLF fishermen would tell you right now that that uh the Bassmasters classic is the biggest event in fishing because it is and uh and it and it always will be i believe um there's there's something about it you know I, you know ray scott passed away over this last year and he's kind of the one that started it all and, and you know a lot of people don't even know who ray scott was but ray scott's the one that 
had this vision and dream and he was a he was an entrepreneur and a passionate guy but man i mean look at what he's grown and i just uh i, I don't think the classic will ever change the stature of that tournament uh, will always be number one. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a a, a, a big opportunity. And uh, wh- whether you're a Bassmaster uh, Elite Fisherman or you're an MLF uh, Bass Pro Tour Fisherman, it seems like when we talk, we always end up talking about the classic. You know, uh, uh, if you're uh, if I'm talking to a Major League Fishing guy and they, they don't have a chance of getting in the classic, I'll ask them, hey, do you ever see changing the league sometime just to get into the classic again? And it's surprising how many people have that classic on their mind all the time. Uh, maybe it's not surprising. It's just it's just there, and uh, and I think it's what makes the sport great. I agree with you. I mean, I, the classic is just an event that is unparalleled, and you know it will always be the most important event in fishing. And and if you know the years that I haven't made it, or the years that I was fishing FLW. Um, you know, I still went to the classic. I mean, yeah. I didn't. I didn't go to any other tournaments throughout the year. Um, you know, to work the tournament, but I went to the classic, and so you know, I understand its importance. Let's talk about Texas, your home state. Uh, there's a lot of good fishermen from Texas. There's a lot of good lakes in Texas, and, and, and I'm from uh, Northern Illinois. And uh, people from the north are pretty geographically ignorant of the South. Uh, we, oh, yeah, the South, it's all the same. Texas, oh, Texas, I know what Texas is like. Uh, and, and they don't realize that uh, uh, Dallas and Houston are, are not anywhere like each other and certainly not like El Paso. And the lakes are different. And the weather's different. It's a big state. Uh, but I will generalize and say that right now, I don't know any lake, any state that fishes better than Texas. Am I right? Yeah, probably so. I mean, you know, it, Texas has a lots of great fisheries in it and, and a lot of variety, a lot of different kind of lakes. You got vegetation, you got highland lakes, you got lowland reservoirs, you could you got big lakes and you got lots of little lakes. And so, um, you know, I, I just spent time uh, up at Lake Ontario and got to fish some northern lakes. So right now in my mind I'm thinking, well, it's hard to beat Lake Ontario for, for fishing, you know. But in the summertime, Texas is awful hot, and it's it's a brutal year this year, very very hot. And so, um, you know, right now this time of year, I just assume go up north. But for the most part, Texas is an awesome place to fish. Well, I always say I think the Texas DNR is phenomenal, and that share lunker program they have uh, just seems to be creating bigger big fish opportunity, more big fish opportunities than anywhere else before and a lot of times it, it's cyclical uh i said uh lake fork was hotter than a pistol 10 years ago it seemed to cool off for a while now it's back on the upswing and and, and i i give it to the the dnr on that uh what one lake you hear this oh ivy is that it Yep, oh my goodness! Uh, I, you know, I I see pictures of ten pounders out of OHIV, and, and I start thinking that uh, either got great fishing there, or there's an awful lot of Texas fishermen that really know how to do that Photoshop thing real well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Texas has got lots and lots of big fish, and OHIV. It, it, it's interesting you bring up cyclical because lakes are cyclical, and so you know, Lake Ontario is an amazing place to fish right now. 
Um, OHIV is an amazing place to fish, but five years from now, they may be down a little bit. It's just the way it goes. But then eventually they'll come back. The really good lakes just come back over time. And it depends, you know, it's kind of a perfect storm on OHIV right now. It was really low for a long time. Yeah. It finally got some water in it. It came up, it flooded all that cover, and nobody had been fishing it. And all of a sudden, bam, you're having all kinds of big fish. And so, um, yeah, it's a cyclical parts of lakes is pretty interesting. You know what? The reason I called you, I'm going through this quickly because I enjoy talking and you're such a smart guy and know this business and sports so well. But the reason I called you is I read an article that uh, you wrote for uh, Bassmaster and it was about invasive species. And everybody hears about this all the time. This is a problem. It's cost us millions of dollars, invasive species, invasive species. Uh, tell us about this because you actually made some great points in that, that it's not the end of the world when an invasive species is discovered, not that we want to do this or we suggest recommending bringing in invasive species, but it's not like it's going to kill fishing. Yeah, I mean, I think you gotta you got to realize that invasive species are probably not going to help anything. But what my point was is look at how resilient bass are. Um, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, you know, you, they, they say that gobies are going to be the end of the Great Lakes for smallmouth fishing, and, and to be honest with you, they're better than they've ever been. And they said that zebra mussels were going to be the end of the Great Lakes before that, and, you know, it's better than it's ever been. And my home lake here at lake, is Lake Travis in Texas, and it's got zebra mussels now. And, yeah, it, it creates problems. Dock owners got problems, water intakes. If you're going to walk along the shoreline, you, you, you might cut your feet with zebra mussels. Um, as a fisherman, you're going to break off a little more often because they get you down in those rocks. It'll break your line. But the fishing's better than it's ever been. And it's zero. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I've fished here for 45, 50 years, and it's better than it's ever been. And so, you know, my point is, is that there's going to be change. And... I understand we need to work on not letting invasives into our lakes, but yeah, it, they it, the invasive species sometimes the bass can use them to their advantage. It might change a little bit, but they can use them to their advantage, and sometimes the lake might even be better. Yeah, you know, uh, in Illinois, we're always talking about the Asian carp, and you'll see video of them all over social media. They're the ones that jump when they feel the boat vibrations, and man, you can end up with a couple of these big old Asian carp in your boat that just jumped in uh, for no reason, and uh, everybody was worried about that killing the fisheries. Well, you know, it didn't kill the fishery, it changed the fishery. You have to fish different than before. Uh, your your spot that you used to fish for sauger or walleyes or bass may now be a much more popular spot for the Asian carp, and they have just moved the bass out of there. The bass aren't gone the bass are different. And the guys that are saying this is a dead waterway just didn't want to change the way they fished. If they, could, if, they, if they can't fish the way they fished five years ago, they're not fishing it no more. And that's wrong. The fish are still there. You just got to figure out where they move to. Yeah, you got to think about it a little differently. Um, the fishery, the thing about it is, is in life, whether it be, you know, nature and what we deal with in the, in the outside world, um, Everything changes. I mean, it just does. I mean, you can't you can't say it doesn't. Whether a lake's getting more silt in it, whether it's 
um, a different a forage base comes into the lake. You know, there's all kinds of different situations that can happen, and you just have to adapt with it. And you know, it it, it might make your your honey hole not as good. Um, it may make the lake not as good on a short term basis, but the fishery is going to adapt. The fish are going to adapt, and I, I, my point was, is I, I don't know that this is just the end of the world. I, I think we need to clean, drain, and dry, take care of invasive species the best of our ability. But, but at the same time, the fishery, the fishery can probably handle it. Yeah, just take it serious and ad- and adapt to it. Because the fish are adapting, we need to adapt to it as well. I, I, I gypped you out of time. Hey, uh, give us the names of some of your sponsors you'd like to say hi to that do so much for you. Well, listen, I mean, Bass Pro Shops, Ranger Boat, Bass Pro Club, uh, Yamaha Outboards, those, those are my staples and the ones that, that really keep me out there. And, and, you know, every professional fisherman, it, they need good support, and I've got a great team and, and appreciate them very much. And they appreciate you because they know you work hard for them. You, you're, you do a really good job for your sponsors, and that's well known in the business. Well, I thank you very much. I appreciate that. No problem at all. Man, time went by so fast. Clark Wentland, one of the best fishermen out there. Uh, very consistent, always at the top. You know, when you go on the internet to look at a tournament to see what the results are, you, you don't have to go to that second page ever when you're looking for Clark's name because he's always up there near the top. The guy is consistent. He's good. He's a true gentleman, and I'd like to thank you for being with us and, and hope you go out and earn some money before the end of the season again. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Excellent. Appreciate it. Clark Wetland, folks, isn't he something else? Really think he's a great fisherman. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishery show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, Dan Johnston from St. Croix, Dave Van Dorn, Take a Vet Fishing, Clark Wetland. My goodness, this guy is really, really good fisherman. Clark Wetland, multiple angler of the year winner. Very, very cool. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we have your bass covered. They sure do, Daiwa Reels. Don't forget, put up a new episode of our podcast every Wednesday evening. Never missed one yet. We're on number 320, and we're there all the time for you. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. You can write to us there. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. We answer all of our mail, so have at it. Let's hear from you. I'm Steve Surley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.